Well, good morning, Grace Church. It is an honor to be with you again today. It's been a year since we've been here. And thank you to Pastor Ryan for the invitation, asking if I would come and share with you this morning. And I count it a joy and delight to share with God's people God's Word and God's thought. This is the day that the Lord has made. We'll be glad and rejoice in it. Amen. Someone once said, and I've always made sure I remembered it, every day in God's a good day. Some are just better than others. I like that positive approach. As we serve the creator of heaven and earth, we serve the one and only God through Jesus Christ, his son, we can approach him. And his promises are sure and amen. They're there for us. And so thank you very much for being out there tuned in and listening, and I just pray that uh, the Holy Spirit will speak to you as I endeavor to share some key thoughts with you this morning under the title of The Countdown. And uh, we are on a journey through this life, and uh, we're moving toward a particular goal in our life, and that's to be with Him in eternity. Amen? Uh, That's my heart desire is to get there, to be ready to, uh, uh, to hear him welcome me into eternity. And I want to just share with you some thoughts, that three keys this morning that, that can bring assurance to our hearts that uh, we're going to get there. We're going to win. We're going to be overcomers. We're going to be victorious. Three simple keys, very practical things that we can do in our preparation for what God has in store for us. I want to start off by reading uh, my scripture that I picked this morning as a kind of a launching pad for the countdown. Matthew 24, 36 to 44. It says, But that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. And this is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, and one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. Notice the instructions here now. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you, hear this now, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. We must prepare. We must be ready. You know, in these unprecedented times, God is speaking to his church. You and I, who are his church, he's speaking to us personally. Uh, And and what he's doing to me personally, he is causing me to do a a self-evaluation of my faith level. And all that is happening. Where is my faith? What am I looking at? Who am I looking to? How strong is my faith? How genuine is my faith? my belief level in the promises of God. And that's what uh, we're being challenged with today, I believe, is uh, we're being asked to take a look at ourselves. 
It's as though, you know, with this, this time of, um, of, of isolation and quarantine and kind of being told to stay home and be by yourself. You ever had any children and you would take an opportunity when they weren't doing too well or were not behaving very well? You would send them to their room. You would give them time out. For what purpose? To reflect, to think about what they've done or what they haven't done and should be doing and how they should be living. And I thought to myself, it's as though it's uh, God has sent the church to, to their room, a time out, to think about how we are as a church, what we're doing as a church. I'm the church now, that's who I'm talking about personally now. What I should, how I should be behaving when I'm not behaving as he gives instructions in the Word of God. So it's a time where, for myself personally, I'm doing a lot of reflecting upon myself. I'm being challenged on the promises of God that I've learned and studied and, and, and endeavored to practice. It's like, okay, you might be doing it, but how well and how much better could you be doing the Word of God? So, you know, it's, it's our faith that's so very important uh, in, 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 in moving forward and being victorious and being overcomers. Not just what we say we believe, but how we're enacting or how we're engaging ourselves in the faith that we, and the things that we say we believe, especially in the midst of storms. And we, right now, as a church, are in the midst of a huge storm. And we're being challenged. Where is our faith? You know, what's happening in our world today and in our, in our individual lives are events that constitute elements required of God to fulfill His purposes. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. Especially for us personally as well. Not only globally and for this world, but for us personally, he's got a plan for us. And faith and trust in him is essential. We've heard these words over and over again as we've journeyed on our life with him. Faith and trust, trust, faith, believe, and so on. And sometimes they can become just words, but we need to understand how important they are. You know, God has a timeline, and he is not changing that timeline. He's not overwhelmed by what's happening. He knows from the beginning of time, this stage of history would be occurring. You know, our God is a progressive God. He's in charge. He's in control. He is God. There is none other beside you. You alone are God. That in itself should just envelop us with such hope, such peace, such joy, such comfort in the midst of a storm. He's the Prince of Peace. He is our, as I put it, He's our safe zone. There's no better place to be than in the arms of the Lord. There's no better place to be than putting our trust and hope and faith in Jesus. He is our ultimate safe zone, regardless of what we see in the natural that is happening round about us. He's moving on, and we need to be in lockstep, in sync with Him. We can't be distracted. And so today I want to talk about the countdown, and I'm just going to pull out of the principle of the countdown three simple keys that will be very important for us to understand all, all that is happening around us as part of the countdown to what we just read in Matthew chapter 24. He's going to return one day. Let me give you a definition of the countdown. What is a countdown? Here's the part of the definition I really like. And listen to this now. It's very significant for us to understand how we need to approach God in the world that we're living in today and draw positive, draw good out of it, because all things work together for good. 
The definition is this. It's the period of time leading up to a significant event. It's a period of time to a significant, leading up to a significant event and the procedures carried out during this time. So we just read about Matthew, 20 and Matthew 24. He's coming back. But there are things that need to happen. There are things that need to be put in place for that to eventually come to play. Come to play. And that's why he said in that scripture, you be ready. Keep watch. It's incumbent upon us to understand that in all this countdown that's happening, the countdown zone, that's what I call it. Everything that's, gonna ha- that's taken place before is a countdown zone. Things are happening right now. Good things. You know, there are many countdowns that we face every, in, our, in our life journey. All kinds of countdown events, as I call them. There's birthdays. There's weddings. There's graduation day. There's payday. There's appointments. There's many things we can list as events that take place. But there's, there's something that always takes place just before that event. There's preparation. There's, there's preparing and things like that. God's economy, we don't have time to go through it all, but in God's economy, from the beginning of time till the end, there are constant countdown zones that take place and God's preparing for significant events that took place from the uh, coming uh, Moses being born to Abram moving on to Jesus coming to all the disciples and all those things. You can read, read the, those significant events were always preempted by a countdown zone, things taking place. And of course, the biggest event that's going to take place is the second coming of Jesus. There's a countdown to his coming, but there's a lot of things that need to take place beforehand. As the definition brings out, much needs to happen to lead up to this significant event. Things need to happen first, and we must ready ourselves. You know, there is, I'm going to draw on one, one particular countdown that I'm sure all of us have used in, in times of our, our, our life. And that's, uh, if you're in a race, participating in a race, it would be ready, set, go. Or on your marks, get set, go. Okay, that's a countdown to a significant event, the beginning of a race, getting involved and so on. So I want to draw on these three words this morning, ready, <clears throat> set, go. All in part of that countdown zone so that... Uh, in light, of, in light of who we are in our journey in the Lord. In Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, the scripture uh, brings out an analogy of a race. And Paul writes this to help us understand that our life is like a race. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition for sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, our life on earth as believers is described like a race. That's the word picture that Paul is using to help us to to really uh, understand some of the kingdom principles here. It's not a sprint, but it's a marathon. It's long distance. Our life is a long distance (laughs) run here, as it were, which requires a, a lot of hard work, a lot of discipline, a lot of sacrifice, and a lot of training, and a lot of adjusting, a lot of humbling, and so on. 
So the first part, ready. <coughs> Excuse me. I just put that, when we get ready, when we come up to those, uh, those, uh, those blocks, those starting blocks, we are positioning ourselves in God. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we now positioned ourselves in Him. We've accepted Him as our personal Savior. We've come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so we're positioning ourselves. We're getting ready. We're not going to be like Saul in the Old Testament when he was going to be made king. They were looking for him. When he was time to rule, where was he? They couldn't find him. He was hiding amongst the stuff, the Bible says. Well, let us not be like Saul's where God is saying, where are you, Roy? I, I need you. I, I need you to work for me. Whoever you might be out there, are you a Saul or are you at the starting blocks? Are you ready? Have you committed yourself? And really what this word ready is really speaking to us about is preparation. We need to now embrace kingdom vision. We need to have an understanding that the kingdom of God is now in us. What does that mean? We need to embrace the kingdom vision. Who are we in Christ? Who is Christ? How does this all play out while we're here on earth? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is to be if seen in you and I where it needs to be on display. He says we are the, the light of the world. We're to be the salt of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify God in heaven. So there's a time of preparing. We need to understand our role and our responsibility while we're here on earth. We need to prepare ourselves. And that preparation is a lifetime of preparation. We're being, we're being prepared every day to understand the kingdom and to understand this vision, embrace the vision, and begin to walk in that vision. And it involves relationship building. We've heard this over and over and over again, and we're going to continue to hear it over and over again. We've got to build and strengthen our relationship in Jesus. We need to die to ourselves. Colossians 3 says, put to death these things that are in your members. We need to put on Christ. <clears throat> we need to be Christ-like. When people see us, they see Jesus. <laughs> we have to understand what that means. That's, that, that's all part of the kingdom of God. And we, we build those relationships, that relationship with God through Jesus by the word, reading, studying, meditate, chewing on the word of God. We, in prayer, communication with him, two-way communication. We talk to him, he talks to us. Worship as we did this morning. We worship him, we're acknowledging, Lord, you are the king of kings and you are the Lord. There is none other beside thee. You alone are God. And we need the work of the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth, that empowers us, that strengthens us, that takes us out of walking after the flesh to walking after the Spirit. And what it includes is the preparatory action of throwing off uh, uh, in what we read in, in Hebrews. Uh, he says, therefore, we're surrounded with these clouds of witnesses. Let us throw off. And that first act is, response, is part of that getting ready. Get rid of those things that get in the way. He uses the example of the pioneers that we are so inspired to implement their secrets of success was their faith and their faithfulness of God. And we sang about that this morning, the faithfulness of God who led them and upheld them through all their conflicts. Those witnesses proved that by their life, that the life of faith that we need to ready ourselves in, grow in, is the only life to live and is the only life that wins. Remember, 
in God, when we sign up, when we join his team, we're in it to win it. And I hope that's our model as we move forward in God. I'm in it to win it. And then the second key is after you get ready, the call is ready, then set. And out of Hebrews, these two thoughts come out. We get set by getting rid of those things that hinder us or slow us down. Discern what's not helping or hindering our advancement. Those are the weights. They might be okay, but there are things in our life that are okay. But sometimes, like Paul said, all things might be permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And so we need to evaluate. Um, 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 are, are things in my life slowing my advancement down in getting set or moving forward in God? And then the other thing is, get, he said, get rid of sin that entangles or trips us up and stops us. See, weights encumber, slow us down, but sin entangles our feet, stops us from moving, and causes us to collapse. And so he said, you got to get set. You've got to get these two areas of your life in order. And what it's really speaking about, as I said, ready was preparation. Set is commitment. We, we embrace the kingdom vision when we get set, but in, in, or when we get ready, when we get set in God and committed in God, what we're doing now, we're embracing kingdom values. From kingdom vision, all right, I understand, God, what your vision's all about, or your kingdom's all about. Now i got to learn what is the values of your kingdom. And so we grow in those things, principles that govern our lives. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. Romans 12 tells us we need to renew our minds. We need to stay focused. We need to get focused on what is God speaking to us about? What's God teaching us? What's God challenging me personally in my value system? What kind of values am I using to live and to go forward in this life? We need that mindset. We're winners because of the cross, and that is guaranteed. So the stance in the block says, I'm committed. Okay, that's the next stage. I'm com- I, there's no turning back. And I'm in it. My mindset is, okay, I'm here for one reason only. I'm at, in this race. I'm at the starting line. I'm set to go because I'm in it to win it. I'm not going to be a loser. I'm going to be a winner. And that needs to be our headspace. And we move past the faith stage that you're capable to, to believing that you can. A lot of times, you know, we talk about the promises of God and God's with us and so on. But, you know, it's the storms of life that come and challenge and cause us to evaluate. Boy, do I really, really believe that. James 1, 5 to 8 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives pers- generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Let me read this story. It's called The Law of the Pendulum. And I think it really is kind of significant because it shows a difference to when we say I have faith in God to I believe in God. In college, I was asked to prepare a lesson to teach my speech class. We were to be graded on our creativity and ability to drive home a point in a memorable way. The title of my talk was The Law of the Pendulum. 
I spent 20 minutes carefully teaching the principle, physical principle that governs a swinging pendulum. The law of the pendulum is simply this. A pendulum can never return to a point higher than the point from which it was released. Because of friction and gravity, when the pendulum returns, it will always fall short of its original release point. Each time it swings, it makes less and less of an arc until finally it's at rest. The point of rest is called the state of equilibrium, which all forces acting on the pendulum are equal. So I attached a three-foot string to a child's toy top and secured it to the top of the blackboard with a thumbtack. I pulled the top to one side and made a mark on the blackboard where I let it go. And each time it swung back, I made a new mark. And it took less than a minute for the top to complete its swinging and come to rest. And when I finished the demonstration, the markings on the blackboard proved my thesis. I then asked how many people in the room believed the law of the pendulum was true. And all my classmates raised their hands, so did the teacher. He started to walk to the front of the room thinking the class was over. In reality, it had just begun. Hanging from the steel ceiling beam in the middle of the room was a large, crude, but functional pendulum. 250 pounds of metal weights tied to four strands of 500-pound test parachute cord. I invited the instructor to climb up on a table and sit on a chair with the back of his head against a cement wall. Then I brought the 250 pounds of metal, I'm sure with the help of other students, <clears throat> up to his nose, and holding the huge pendulum just a fraction of an inch from his face, I once again explained the law of the pendulum that he had applauded only moments before, and I said, if the, law of the, if the law of the pendulum is true, then when I release this mass of metal, it will swing across the room and return short of the release point. Your nose will be in no danger. After the final restatement of the law, I looked at him in the eye and asked, sir, do you believe this law is true? There was a long pause. Huge beads of sweat formed on his upper lip. And then weakly he nodded and whispered, yes. So I released the pendulum and it made a swishing sound as it arced across the room. At the end of, it, of its swing, it paused momentarily and started to back. I never saw a man move so fast in my life. He literally dove from the table, deftly stepping around the swinging pendulum. I asked the class, does he believe in the law of the pendulum? And the students unanimously answered, no. I thought, what a story. How oftentimes we say, oh, I believe the word of God. But you know, when the storm comes, when the pressures come, the challenges come, the crisis come, the unpleasant situations come, uncertainties come. The unknowns come. How many times do we jump out of that chair of faith? I know I have done many times. I'm saying, Lord, refine my faith. The fiery trials my faith. Faith, faith being more precious than yours. How many times have I said, I believe, and only to jump? Allowing my humanity to dictate my actions rather than the Holy Spirit who reminds me of the promises of God to help me. And faith that requires us to believe. You know, that, that's what we need. We need faith, strong enough faith, that causes us to believe. And I say this is what, how I define faith. Faith is the action, or a belief is the action part of our faith. What do we believe? The truth, the promises of God, standing on the promises. And there are many things that come to challenge our believing. And we're facing a lot of these today in the challenges. Doubt where it confines faith, restricts faith. 
Someone once said, doubt is the dark room where you develop your negatives. <laughs> doubt turns into fear, which turns into unbelief, which turns into all kinds of reactions and fretting, stressing out, anxiety, arguing, fighting, complaining, murmuring. Fear is another one. Second Timothy says, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. A lack of faith. Did God really mean that? Is that what the word really says? Circumstances, the storms of life, the disciples in the boat with Jesus came and challenged their faith because he said at the end of it, Jesus said to them, do you still not have any faith? Trials, fiery trials of our faith, faith even more precious than gold. So how do we strengthen our faith when we're in that set block? We're setting ourselves and establishing our faith. We need our minds renewed, Romans 12, 2, by the word and by the spirit. And then we need to increase our faith, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then the third, excuse me, the third key is go. Ready, set, go. Preparation, commitment, now obedience. Okay? It's now where we've embraced the kingdom, we've embraced the values, now we need to embrace the culture. Okay? Our actions. And out of 1 Peter chapter 12, he said, run with perseverance, effort that will help us prevail over weariness. And fix your eyes on Jesus. Stay focused on him. Keep our eyes on the prize. Keep our eye on the finish line. Because we can be distracted if we aren't. So when we go, when we run, when we're active, we need to embrace him. We need to stay, <clears throat> stay the course. When that gun goes off, and it's gone off in our life. When we accepted Jesus Christ, he says, now, here's, here's, the, here's the race. Here's the course. Stay the, stay the course. The, <clears throat> the end is in sight. We're off to win. And God said it. I believe it. We're told in many, throughout Scripture, of, of, of action that we need to, now that we're embracing kingdom, kingdom vision and kingdom values and kingdom culture, things we need to do. Matthew 28, go into all the world, our responsibility. And so I say in this, this, this particular point, go, the launch, don't be a dud. You ever see a dud when a rocket ship has taken, been uh, launched and it only goes so far and then it, something goes wrong and it fails and it crashes to the ground, explodes and disintegrates? Don't be a dud. Don't be one that maybe starts well but doesn't finish well. That's the challenge to me. That's the challenge to all of us. That when he says go, we go. When we're launched, because we've, we've prepared ourselves. We've committed ourselves. We're doing and, and, and established a principle of obedience. We're going to be ready. And when we're launched, when we're called, when we're, we're, we're responsible to serve him in the midst of a crisis we're in right now, to not fail, not to give up, not to, not to uh, 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 panic, not to doubt, but to hold true to him. Stay the course. Don't be a runner who starts well but slows down or quits and gives up. Galatians 5, 7 and 8. You are running a good race. Who kidding on you? From obeying the truth. The kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. He doesn't want us to quit, but he wants us to be winners. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul said, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game, games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. 
when that gun goes off, you've never seen a runner go the opposite direction and just wander around the track. No. He says, I don't, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What a challenge for us that we have a responsibility when we go. We go in the power of God, in the promises of God, the surety of God's promises to us. And that's where the faith and believing need to come together. We have faith in God. We need to believe. We need to act upon with a certainty. I'm going to call the musicians to come forward at this time as we wrap this up this morning. So my challenge to you, I, I, I know there's a lot in this subject, and I've just tried to touch it quickly here. But the challenge is that we are in a countdown zone. We don't know how long personally we have our, our time on earth. Are we going to die before he comes back? Are we going to be here when he returns? But the countdown zone is there's a time for getting ready, getting set, and going. It's a time for preparation. It's a time for uh, commitment. It's a time for obedience so that we are involved in what God has called us to do. Let, let, let's, let's, let that, be, that desire be that as I'm in this zone, this launch zone, God's working on me. I pray that the success of these areas will be successful. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is stored up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Let that be our goal. That's the finish line, church. That's the finish line, Jesus but boy, there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of stuff that takes place in that countdown zone. And that's what's happening in you and I today. And this is a great opportunity as we are in this time of great crisis. What an opportunity for us to draw closer to him, to draw into his presence. And when we're with him and we're talking with him, he will bring clarity. He will bring certainty. He will show us that he's in charge. Everything is under control. We don't need to worry what man thinks. We just need to hold on to what God thinks. Amen? Amen. So it needs to be our legacy at the end. What I just read out of 2 Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight. Let that be our legacy statement at the end. Faith and believing is what's going to help me win. So where do we go from here? Depends on how we personally respond to what's happening in our countdown zone. So what are you doing in your countdown zone? In that zone that says, ready, set, go. What are you doing? Our preparing, our committing, and our being will help us to reach the finish line and to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Father, as we close today, Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway, short term and long term. Lord, your word there is to lead and guide me into all truth. Your Holy Spirit and the word working together, Lord, will create identity as you did out of the valley of dry bones. From confusion and death, you brought identity, a mighty army. Lord, I pray that the word and the spirit will work in each of our lives. Lord, creating anew, creating us to think, renewing our minds to think as you would think, to have the heartbeat of Jesus in us, to have compassion and serving and caring and faith. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. And so, Lord, I pray that as this word has gone out, you'll speak to your people. Lord, as you have spoken to me and challenged me, 
Lord, to be, to be, to be prepared, to be committed, to be obedient. And Father, that uh, you will be glorified and you will be honored in all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Bless the church, bless Grace Church as they continue to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.